It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Well, good Monday to you. A warm welcome from all of us here at Ozbiz. We're live at our Barangaroo studios for the call. Ten companies picked by you, two expert guests, over the course of an hour, Monday, the 9th of January. We've got two guests in studio. I think the city is back. Francesco Destratus is joining us from Ordmanet and Mark Gardner from Macro Capital. Good day, gentlemen. Happy New Year to you. Happy New Year to you and happy you. Year, yeah. uh, look, it ended up being a happy New Year to start last week. The market over the four trading days was up by 1%. Yeah. I mean, too soon to read anything into it. Yeah, look, if you look at a chart that extrapolates that out a year or two, it doesn't look like much. Um, and I, I suspect, you know, we're, we're, we're looking at potentially some more interest rate rises, despite some economists out there saying that um, the Reserve Bank's probably finished or even on, on pause for a little bit. Um, I suspect we'll see the US increase interest rates uh, after their first meeting this year. I'm not sure exactly what date that is, but it's not too far around the corner, I would imagine. Um, and I suspect that we might see a little bit more here as well. So. Yeah, that's not good for the overall market. Um, but as we know here at um, the call, we're picking stocks that might go against that. <laughs> yeah, well, that's what we aim to do. Also, if you guys feel particularly passionate about any of these companies, you can call it a super buy. We'll get into that super later. Super buy. Yeah, yeah. super buy. You've, you obviously haven't seen the promo. <laughs> super <laughs> buy. All right, Mark. Um, yeah, you were on deck last week. I know that you were remote, but still paying attention to markets. Did you get a good feeling for 2023? No, and look, it's worth it's worthwhile uh, remembering back to the first week of last year, which was record highs. Um, didn't, didn't really paint the picture for the rest of the year. So uh, yeah, look, there was a lot of conflicting movements, um, even within, within sectors. And uh, I don't think there was any real clear, um, you know, clear guidance as to what's going to happen for the rest of the year. I think more importantly, we've got CPI this Friday. If we can get through that, there's not really central banks until uh, early February, and um, we'll start to see some of the US uh, earnings come through, and then obviously our earnings. Unemployment level is still really low, which means the economy must be ticking along fairly well. So we there is a, there's probably a chance we get a little bit of a maybe a one month Goldilocks period here, and then. And then you know, reality st- starts to come home to roost. I think it was pretty notable from last week, Fed Bullard uh, said that rates were in the right zone and he was the key hawk uh, that mm-hmm. sort of triggered the rate, um, rate hike uh, sort of dominoes last year. So if he's saying they're in the, within the right zone, maybe the Fed might pause for a small period, but I think they'll have a very close eye on wage inflation. Yeah, well, Bostick over the weekend saying that, look, you know, we will be still lifting rates and we'll keep them at those elevated levels for quite some time. I'm noting that we've got Chinese coking coal futures up more than 3%. We've got a little bit of thawing of the relationship between Australia and China in terms of coal. Also, Chinese people are on the move with borders open again. So there's lots of these external and macro factors that will be playing into some of the discussions 
questions that we have here on the program today. But it is all about stock specifics, and we will be discussing Brickworks. Aventia Services, which was out with an announcement last week, I did take note of, ServiceStream, Judo Capital, and Magellan Financial Group. Again, fund outflows coming through in a very big way in December. The shares were absolutely hammered last week, <coughs> if you recall. But for our stock of the day, I chose Imugene. It has received approval to begin phase one clinical trials of its onclitic vial therapy candidate, Vaccinia. It's one of the presenters at the JP Morgan Healthcare Conference that's underway now. It specializes in cancer immunotherapies. Its share price was absolutely hammered last year, along with many in the biotech space and tech space as well, after hitting record heights toward the end of 2021. So the question for my guests is, A, Imugene specific, but also lots of small cap experts have been pointing to biotechs as potentially an area of outperformance in 2023. I'll start with you, Francesco Destratus from Ordmanet on Imugene. Yeah, look, it's not one I've looked at um, closely, but I had a, had a bit of a look this morning. Um, it's, um, it, it's running trials in, in about, I suppose, four different treatments. So it's a, it's a cancer uh, immunology, if I've got the term right, I'm no um, um, biotech uh, expert, mm-hmm. but um, um, uh, develops a range of immunotherapies to activate the immune, immune systems of cancer patients to treat and eradicate tumours in Australia. Um, look, they're running about five different treatments on different types of cancers. Um, uh, I can go to the slides and look at it, you know, the breast cancer, lung cancer, uh, gastric, uh, don't even know the, how to pronounce that mm-hmm. word, collectoral. Um, so, so they're running a lot of trials, which in one way, you look at a, a speculative company like this and you'd say, well, at least it's got diversity. Because if it misses with one uh, a trial, it, you know, there's another you know, four running at the same time. Uh, they're at various stages. I think the main one they're looking at is the HER VAX. Mm-hmm, yeah. Um, which is in phase two, so it's still got a long way to go. It's you know got to go through phase two and then be successful and then go through phase three. So there's a lot of water to go under the bridge before this thing can become uh, commercial any any way. Um, it's sitting on about 164 million dollars in cash as of 30th September last year. Um, you'd be looking at the quarterly reports coming up uh, for the December to see how much they're spending. I can say that looking at their spending over the last um, year, um, so up till September, <coughs> um, their cash burn for FY 2022 was about 31 million, uh, and they're sitting on 163. They burn about 12.2. Sorry, up until June last year was was 30 31 million. Uh, they burn about 12.2 in September. If they're running these new trials, you'd expect that, that cash burn to increase. So look, they're sitting on probably uh, two to three years worth of cash. Uh, I suspect that you know if there is a spike in the share price that they will need to raise, they'll probably go back to the market mm-hmm. and raise a bit more. They always like to raise it when the, when the share price is high. Um, and the interest is high, obviously, because you know if, if the interest is high, um, then, then they can actually get, get get a capital raising away. So look, um, it is highly speculative. Um, a long way before we start to see any 
uh, results they are in partnership with a number of uh, large firms as well so you know that's promising that, that the larger pharmaceutical companies are keeping an eye on them as well so look I, I'd say at this stage in the market I, I'd, I'd be a more of a hold on this stock and if you've got it if you don't have it I'd be putting on a watch list keep an eye on the announcements that come out because obviously with um, clinical trials yeah positive announcements are going to put a spike in the share price but any negative um, um, announcement on clinical trials will send the stock a lot lower as well. So I think it trades around 16 cents. Yep. Um, and, and that's probably around close to its two-year lows. Um, so you know, there's a possibility there that if they have some positive announcements, um, you know, you could probably see that stock you know, jump 20, 25, 30% in one hit. Um, so worth keeping an eye on. Got it. Thank you. So Imogene, in your view. Yeah, I think the biotech sector overall, you'd probably be wanting to look at stuff that's you know close to commercialisation or in the early stages of commercialisation. Um, this one's a really interesting one. Uh, it was an interview you did with uh, their CEO um, that her vax, uh, you know, vaccine essentially it's it's far less invasive than chemotherapy, so it's basically almost a virus essentially um, that eats away the tumours. So it, you're really just coming in for a shot rather than going in for what is. Um, what is really harsh on the body sort of treatments with chemotherapy so uh, which ha also has a lot of different side effects and things um, my partner does cancer rehab therapy um, you know the, it, people get really knocked about by mm -hmm. chemo so and particularly by, by radiation so anything that's less invasive is going to be really welcomed by the doctors particularly obviously the patients and um, so I, I think uh, one of the sort of one of the best things I, I thought she said was basically instead of going to a phase three, they're going to try have a secondary phase two trial and then get it piggybacked around the vaccine, um, which will bring it to commercialisation a little bit quicker. I think that's probably where you would be, you know, as that gets closer, that's where you'd be looking to buy this thing. Um, as with these sorts of things, we gen little thing we tend to do is. We'll take the average volume over the last sort of 12 months and we'll set an alert in the system for when it starts to trade consecutive days above average mm -hmm. volume because as you know human nature is things you know there's always whispers and around so uh, and volume usually proceeds proceeds that so that's how we tend to play that on our watch list um this one particularly yeah I, I would echo francesco's comments I like the fact that it's got five uh, different runways, and um, that's and I think Paul Hopper is uh, sort of part of their more their uh, investing side and capital raising mm -hmm. side. He's um, he's Virolytics was one that they saw, he was involved with that got sold to Merck's, and um, so there is some experience there because the CEO is obviously very much more uh, you know clinical based, mm -hmm. uh, which. Until I read down the list of you know key employees was mildly concerning because you obviously want to have someone in there with um, who can go and you know sell this to investors. Um, but yeah, look, I think that 160 million dollar uh, cash, I think you know that gives them a couple of years and then they will be able to wait until the conditions are right, as Francesco said, to get to have a capital yeah. raise. So they're not going to be standing there with their hand out, mm -hmm. um, you know, going you know about to go down the tubes. So. Um, so yeah, and I think they've obviously got some. They've got some IP. I think there's about ten different IPs. I'm not 100 percent on that. Um, which they've, you know, which are obviously potentially saleable as well. So yeah, I I would echo Francesco's comments. It's uh, if you've got it, I would be holding it, um, and but just keeping an eye on it uh, because I think the 
I think if they do get an opportunity to um, to get that Herbax piggybacked mm -hmm. on something else, it, it could take off pretty quickly because I think that she I think she's said that it's about a fifteen year. 15-year process to get something through phase three trials. So it's that's a, a, long, that's a long, long way <coughs> yeah. away. Yeah, just, just reinforcing the 163 million gives them a buffer. Mm. You know, if the market has a you know, real neat, nasty turn, um, they don't have to raise it at, at, at really low prices. Um, you know, so they can be a bit, bit more patient when it comes to raising capital. Uh, and that comes down to the experience of the, um, you know, the CEO and, and uh, you know, CFO. Got it. Thanks, guys. Let's get on to the companies that have been nominated by you, our viewers. If you're watching, just remember this is not financial advice, information only. You need to do your own due diligence on any of these companies and any of the uh, information provided by our expert guests. Let's get to it for Jeremy. Brickworks. So Brickworks, um, yeah, it's one of those companies that's come up in a lot of conversations lately, Mark. I'll start with you just about it being really high quality. Uh, you know, as particularly we are into a little bit of a difficult time, even though it is exposed to the mm. building industry. What do you think? The bottom three performers last year were uh, industrials. Uh, I think it was Borrell, um, Reliance Worldwide and James Hardy, which, you know, most of those are high quality companies as well. What sort of saved Brickworks is obviously that uh, Solpats um, shareholding. If you actually look down into it, the Brickworks part of the business didn't do that great last year. I think it was about um, 521 mil out of the, out of their 315 mil profit um, was out of the Soul Pats part. So at the moment, I'd probably just be maybe just still holding the Soul Pats part. Particularly, as you said, Coke and Cold, that relationship uh, with China is improving. Um, they've obviously got a very large holding in New Hope. If you go through Soul Pats holdings, they've got some of um, you know. They've been in very early stage investment with some of uh, you know the top picks of 2023, uh, IDP Education being mm -hmm. one of them, and um, there's there's a few other great names in there. So and they outperformed the market by about I think it was it was about seven, 16 or 17 percent last year in a in a very turbulent year. So um, <coughs> whilst the coal price is still remaining quite elevated, I'd probably just prefer to be holding Solpats, even though it's slightly more expensive. Um, because it's just got that little bit of momentum. Technically, it looks fairly good as well. Um, but I've, I've definitely flagged in, in my outlook this year, which we sent out to clients um, you know, over the Christmas break, that we will be starting to accumulate some of the industrials when the market looks very grim uh, this year because there is a tendency for the worst performers of the previous year to be some of the better performers of, of the following. So okay. but we're probably Q2, Q3, we've, we're really starting to sink our teeth in. But you'll have, me, you'll have a heap of options. You'll hold it, though, for now if you own it. Brickworks. Oh, absolutely. You hold yeah. it for now. Uh, how do you see it, Francesco? Uh, because property is also an important component when it comes to Brickworks. It has been able to offload some of that property for a profit. Yeah, look, and, and I think property was probably the best performing part of the business um, uh, last, last year. Um, yeah, when you look at the the split, I mean, property's just under sixty percent of of the earnings of the company, so it is a big part of the business. I mean, you look at Brickworks, and people will think, well, it's a building materials, but the building materials side of the business makes up probably well just around twenty percent. Um, again, which is relatively low compared to the property side of things, and and uh, the investments is about just under seventeen percent, which is quite large. I mean, that's. Predominantly, your, your holdings in Seoul. Uh, they also um, um, have a holding in um, um, 
I forget the name of the company, FBR, which is a uh, robotic bricklaying company oh, yeah. out, of, out of Perth. Um, and, and then they have different investments that are much smaller, but um, I think they're around 20%, um, 19.9% in souls. So yeah, they're almost takeover sort of areas um, and, and very similar in, in the FBR, which is, again, the name escapes me. But Yeah, I, I remember this one. Wasn't yeah. it Fast Bricks? Fast bricks could be. Um, yeah. Anyway, it's a robotic okay. bricklaying business, which is still in development. But um, I've, I've actually seen it on film, not not in person. It's actually just called um, FBR now. Oh, is yeah, it? Yeah, okay. uh, yeah. So there you go. You're right. FBR <laughs> Limited. Yeah, um, and I've actually seen it on film. It actually works quite well in a straight line. But um, once you start wanting to do curves and curves are and corners, right now. And, I have noticed and, around the neighborhood. <laughs> curves and corners and arches and things like that. I think it um, struggles a bit. But yeah, obviously, uh, you know, straight lines is. Um, is a way for them to gain efficiencies as well. So, look, the PEs around the mid-teens, there was a big drop-off in the uh, PE there uh, last year or the year before, which and I, I'd, I'd had a chance to go back over it and look at it. If, you know, dividends at about 2.8%, so fully franked up to 4 um, our, our guys have got a buy on it, but I'd probably be with Mark and I'd probably say hold. Okay. Um, you know, it doesn't excite me, you know, if... if like Mark says, you know, souls, you might as well own souls, or you might as well, yeah, I mean, the best performers, uh, stocks, performing stocks in the market uh, over the last 12 months have been coal miners, um, you know, thermal coal in particular, um, and, and it's holding at $400 a tonne despite, you know, the, the threat of price caps here in Australia, a lot of this is going offshore. Um, you're better off focusing on on that area of the market. So um, yeah, look, if, if you own it, it's a good a, it's a good performer over time. Um, I don't have a problem with it. I don't see any major risks there. Although you know, property is probably not going to be great over the next mm -hmm. 12 to 18 months. Okay. Building materials probably not too great either. But yeah, I'd say hold. Got it. Thank you. Now, Ventia Services, it was out last week and it talked about extending a contract with the WA government just by memory. Its share price did lift on the day. I'm going to go to you, Mark, on this mm. one because you were just talking about industrials. Well, is this one that you would consider? Yeah, these, these guys, it looks, it's a fairly conservative company. It's about 45% defence, 22% infrastructure, telecos about 23 and transport's coming up uh, to around about 10%. Um, the business sort of metrics have improved. Their capex growth has been slowing, but their revenue has been lifting fairly consistently over the last five years. They've got about $18 billion worth of work in hand. So they're, they're going to do fairly well, I would have thought. They're, you know, they're in fairly essential services. Um, and, and the numbers are pointing in the right direction. Um, I, rule, I think the, way, the analyst price target is about 20%. Um, Further up from here, this is not bad buying region as it stands at the moment, um, around this sort of 245 area. Um, but yeah, look, it's not it, it's not particularly like dividend yields four and a half, which is not is you know is not too bad. Um, but yeah, look, I I'd, I'd be happy to sort of buy it around uh, around the two 240 region. Um, and obviously contract upgrades and things like that are always going to help, but okay. I, I do like the diversity of it. Um, and, you know, I So think, you just want to get it a little bit cheaper. Uh, around here would be fine, I, I, I think. So um, So are you calling it a buy, Mark? Uh, it's not really my style, but yeah, no, I think if, it's, if this is the sort of business you're looking at, um, I'd, I'd be happy to buy this. It's not really... Um, okay. It's not really what I'm looking at at the moment, but yeah, look, if you've, de if you've got it, you're definitely holding it. And... Um, 
and I, I, it's, it's probably just a little bit too slow moving for me at this Thank stage. Thank you. What do you think, uh, Ventia? Perhaps a bit too small, or uh, look at it, yeah, look, it's a small mid cap, so you know, you know, it's it sort of yeah sits in that part of your portfolio if you focus on those sort of things. I'd say, look, our guys got to accumulate. I'd be a little bit stronger on that. I think it's more of a buy. Um, you know, the share price has probably been treated a bit harshly. I think in in recent times. Um, it's diversified not only in in its in its services, but it's diversified geographically, um, which gives me um, a little bit of comfort that you know if things turn sour a bit, you know you've got that diversification to sort of you know cover off certain areas. So um, you know we we cover another services company called John's Ling. They've got a buy on it on it. I'd reverse that. I'd say this is more of a buy. Looking at the the PE multiples and the um, you know, you're not in hugely for a dividend, but it's paying a dividend. Um, so I, I, I'd say this is a buy. Um, you know, where are we trading at the moment? I think it was two forty-six. Yeah, yeah. So our guys have got about a two eighty, you know, okay. valuation on it. So, mm. yeah, you know, not that you know, I, I just focus on those. I focus on the the subjective as well. But um, it, it looks promising, and, and um, again, in that part of the portfolio, it is it is a small mid cap. So there is risks around that. Uh, but it, the diversification, I think, negates a bit of that. Good. Yeah, and the John Lynn um, group plays largely played out. It's had a you know fairly yeah. s- significant few years. So, and they've got that US business starting now, which is always a big risk for Australian companies. We don't have the greatest success. It's great, great if it goes well, but it can go fairly poorly um, if they miss the mark. So I'd, I would agree with Francesco there to um, you know if you had some John Lynn, this would yeah that I'll would not definitely turn be a flip. Yeah. Got it. Thank you. All right, number three. Um, as submitted by our viewers, is Service Stream SSM is the ticker code. This is for Frank. I'm going to start with you for Service Stream. Ordmanet, I know, has uh, a buy on it. Do we you agree we do. Um, look, they had a pretty poor result um, um, in uh, the sec- well, the, the final result last year, and uh, the share price got hammered. Um, our, our guy's been positive on it even through that. Mm-hmm. So I'd say that he's probably closer to being right now than he was previously, <laughs> um, without being denigrating him or anything like that. Um, look, on, on the multiples, um, it looks more attractive, obviously, now. Um, he does have some earnings growth going into sort of 24 and 25, so so that does look attractive. Um, yeah, dividends um, are still fairly strong into 23, 24, 25, so you're looking at sort of a yield of... of Four and a half to five percent, and growing over the next couple of years. Now, obviously, you know it, it, the, their forecasts and and the forecasts that a lot of analysts were making on this company for 2022 um, didn't play out a little bit. So, you know, the, there is still that risk, and it is a, probably you know more of a, a mid cap. Um, what's the market cap on this thing? Um, 520 million, so small to mid cap. Um, you know, uh, look. I'd I'd have a dabble in it. I think it's, you know, not a real strong buy, but I think there's potential there for the company, um, and I think you know there's some opportunities to to for them to get um, uh, consistent revenue down the track from from their servicing agreements. Got it. Now you guys have been agreeing a lot today. Do you mm-hmm. agree with uh, Francesco on Service Stream? Yeah, this one's one we uh, started 21. Um, they lost a significant contract to the Victorian government. And uh, that's when it sort of, when you actually looked at it, because it was quite a promising business. It was an open recommendation. We, we immediately sort of bailed out. And um, 
because it was so much of a it was so much of a part of their um, you know of their revenue. They had such a narrow mm -hmm. business model. One thing I and I haven't really looked at it since then, and because I didn't really expect it to turn around particularly quickly, um, but they have been diversifying. Management sort of learnt their lesson, having their eggs in, in probably in you know in too few baskets. Uh, they've got six billion dollars worth of work in hand. Um, so, and you know, the major one thing I was worried about as well was the uh, was materials. But um, one thing they do, they you know they do stress is the majority of their materials are supplied by their customers. So they're not really going to have uh, too much of a squeeze on um, uh, yeah too much of a squeeze on margins there particularly. Um, there is some uh, you know there is some plans for some more infrastructure spend on um, you know rolling out further NBN, which they may be involved in, um, but. I would like to see how this plays out over the next sort of six, six to 12 months because they're saying that their addressable market may be increased quite considerably to 51 billion with the diversification. Um, I, yeah, if you've, I mean, if you've got it, you're probably holding it, but I, yeah, it's, it's definitely on a buy for me yet. I'd, I'd like to see at least one to two more reporting seasons to see if, um, and so it's all well and good for management to say they've, you know, they've got a plan, but whether they execute it or not is a different thing because. I think that was a massive oversight back, um, you know, early 2021, where they um, basically lost, you know, a good 30 to 40 percent of their revenue in one hit, not not getting a key contract. So um, it just shows probably a little bit of, um, you know, a little bit of a lackadaisical mm -hmm. attitude from management. But um, yeah, it may be worth putting on the watch list. But I think you probably want to see, you know, two more reports and then sort of start to upgrade. Thank you. Let's get on to Judo Capital, JDO. So this is the listed parent company of Judo Bank, which uh, you may be familiar with. It um, is putting out its half-year results on the 21st of Feb. What do you make of Judo Bank? Yeah, look, the banking sector at the moment, I think, is, you know, play the big guys. Don't need to go down the, the, the smaller guys. Um, you know, that being said, you take risks, um, you know, and they come off, the rewards are there. Um, but we're going in an environment, particularly over the next 12 to 18 months, with rates the way they've moved, um, in a low growth environment for lending um, and credit approvals and so forth. So I'd be cautious, um, whilst our analyst has a positive recommendation on it, and I think part of that would be due to the, the performance of the share prices you can see there mm -hmm. um, and his valuation. Um, I, I just don't see a huge amount of growth in the, in the smaller players uh, in the banking sector at the moment. Got it. Thank you. Would you steer clear of the smaller uh, banks in favour of the big banks? Or do you have an overarching view on the banks in particular as we talk to start the program that interest yeah. rates will likely say higher for longer? Yeah, I think the uh, I'm sort of actually of the opposite view here. I think the, the the big four banks are massively leveraged to the housing market, which is going to come off. And while the um, net interest margins are going to improve, um, these guys listed uh, around about two dollars. They've achieved everything in the prospectus. They've achieved everything um, within every every bit of guidance they've given so far. Um, they expect their loan uh, their loan book to grow by seventy three percent over the next year. Um, they have got some friend, fairly rosy outlooks in terms of uh, the economic picture. Um, in you know, employment, unemployment probably peaking, you know, f just around four, and um, and the property market only really coming back about 14, 15 percent. However, they're you know they're 
they're doing a lot of their funding from uh, providing these turn deposits. They don't have a lot of overheads. Their management has uh, like long track records uh, at the big four banks. Um, and you know they've, they've recently done you know 200 million in state funding, which was you know way oversubscribed as well. So they're expecting um, Q3 profit was 23 million versus 15 million for the financial year prior. Um, so I, I think if the Australian economy does what it normally does and you know just soldiers through um, and, and isn't sort of you know the housing market doesn't necessarily collapse or whatever there um i think these guys will do well and it's very rare to get growth um in in the banking sector so i'm i'm happy to uh, have this as my super buy if you'd like your super buy yeah. all right you've got one jack write it down ring the bell <laughs> we were supposed to have a bell here but yeah, so you're that convinced that Judo Capital will have a good year that you're going to put it to the investment committee? I, I think it's already priced. Most of the um, you know, the recession fees is, is already in the price okay. as it goes now. And Australia does tend to tend to skip through these things a little bit. And um, and yet, like I said, it's very difficult. They, they are profitable. So, okay. you know, we're, and they've, they've delivered everything that's been put on the box. So, uh, Well, you're not alone. I mean, Orbanet. Ford's got to buy. Yeah, it's got to buy. I'm just probably a bit more. Circumstance. That's yeah. okay. Okay. Credit Suisse has an outperformed. City has a buy. Macquarie has an outperformed. This is what makes the market. Don't feel any peer pressure, Francesca. I don't. I know. Too old for that. <laughs> I was going to say, you've been around long enough. <laughs> Had enough of these conversations. All right. That was for Roger. Let's get to number five on the list for Jimmy. This is Magellan Financial. Now, I wonder if Jimmy wrote in pre last week's update. Obviously, the news was not good in terms of institutional and retail fund outflows. It got hit to the tune of about 10% share price on the day that that was announced. So funds under management falling by nearly $5 billion. It's talking about, you know, minuscule performance fees. Like it's really not seemingly getting any better for Magellan. Would you be buying it in hopes of a turnaround? No, I'd avoid like the plague. Um, When when fund managers get, get on the nose, um, you, you start to lose mandate, and we've seen that. We've seen them lose some really large uh, mandated funds. Um, what happens then is, and it, and it works in reverse to when they're actually gaining the mandate. So a lot of your big funds, when when they let's say they gain a, a really significant mandate um, on the on the upside, um, you have a lot of uh, fund managers out there, and and, and um, you know large you know charitable offices and family offices and things like that that follow some of the larger funds. And go well. They've done a lot of due diligence on them. Mm-hmm. Let's let's follow them with some of our investment funds. On the flip side, when they see the large mandates leave, then you get this momentum of snowballing, if you like, of exiting the funds. And I think that will continue on through this year as well. So, um, you know, unfortunately, um, you know, it was one of the darlings. Um, really, only lasted five minutes. I mean, it, 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 you can see the history of platinum, which did something similar. Uh, this one just unfortunately is done on a, on a faster and more aggressive scale, um, and I, I'd expect to, them to see them lose more mandate uh, in 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 this year. Um, so I would say, even if you have it, get rid of it. If you don't have it, don't go near it. That's a sell. All right, Mark. Could not agree more. Um, yeah, look, they're, they're not only gonna, they're not only losing fun, but I would expect, uh, you know, they've been lucky enough, you know that. Had this have been a, a relatively good year and fund managers were getting performance bonuses, then I think this would the situation would be far worse because they'd be losing more and more talent. Um, but 
But basically now, I, I just can't, it's very much a relationship-based business. They're going to start losing people um, as well because if you're not getting a bonus for the next couple of years, well, why stick around? You know, it's better better time than any to go, you know, for key staff to go very, and make a Very journey. transient people sometimes. Yeah, well, particularly when everyone's, everyone's jumping ship. So... Um, just to give you some perspective, that five billion they had on av- their twelve-month average was one hundred and twelve billion under management twelve months ago, and now it's like fifty. And you can't imagine that they've turned their costs around yeah. um, as that quickly as well. They're going to be shed- they're going to be shedding staff. It cannot be a happy workplace. I wouldn't have thought. And you, I mean, they brought back uh, a few people that had disagreements uh, with previous management. And you know, when you just can't, it can't be much fun just trying to hold the ship together. I don't think even if even if their performance is great, then we'll, the people the the people within the business that are you know giving that um, you know, giving you that performance are more likely to get poached mm-hmm. rather than stick around. Um, and I, I redemptions just are the enemy of funds management. And you know the, until the bleeding stops. Um, I think you just look elsewhere. It could just be a fact that, you know, the name's just done now and, and you just watch where the team, maybe watch where the, the high-performing teams end yeah. up going. Um, you know, and if they get picked up by, you know, if they get picked up by someone who's smaller or they go and start out on their own, then maybe that's a better That's option. the trouble with that industry. There's just so many players out there that, you know, people go and set up their own shop. Mm-hmm. So you're trying to follow the, you know, where the, where yeah, the money flows up. Yeah, and I mean, key person risk yeah. was always, I but, guess, present but, with Magellan. Yeah, yeah, Mark mentioned management. Um, I'm not I'm not confident in the, man, the senior management there to, to turn this around. Um, I think they're more fair weather managers rather than, you know, let's let's dig deep and, and, and turn this sort of outflow of cash mm-hmm. around. It's hard um, to focus on the business when you're just continually putting yeah. out spot fires. So yeah. Well, not only that, it's hard to find good ideas because mm. you spend a lot of time on, we've got to exit investments, so what's the best way to exit the investment instead of your 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 um, your, your IP and your, 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 your analysts going, where's the new idea? They're focused on how do we get out of this? Yeah. yeah. I think their best hopes to take over offer realistically um, because of the infrastructure and there's been that consolidation within the space um, you know for economies of scale but yeah it's um, and and look their investment they they were one of the top performing fund managers for ages but it was in an extraordinarily different Mm -hmm. environment to now I don't think they were realistically making a hell they weren't outperforming the market when we had higher rates they were outperforming the market in a zero interest rate environment so they, I, I don't even, this is not even really, a, a fund outflows aside, it's not really a fund manager or a, you know, a, a mandate that I'd be backing. So. A lot of the money went in there because of Hamish. Hamish is no longer there. So, you know. Glory days over for Magellan, I think, is the, uh, yeah, 100%. You know, the thesis that's being put forth. Stay tuned here. for the next one, though. Yeah, there always <laughs> is one, right? Okay, let's just wrap up what we've learned so far. So, Imogene, look, both of my guests are interested in the company. They would keep it on a watch list, but uh, it's uh, tricky with some of these biotechs when they've got uh, many irons in the fire. But both say that they do like the diversification that Imogene has. It's got a number of irons in the fire as we speak. Brickworks, it's a hold for both of my guests. They both say, why wouldn't you just own Soul Pats? Although Mark did flag that, uh, keep your eye on the industrials. There could be a time to start accumulating this year. Ventia Services, it is a buy for both of my guests. Again, diversification is what they like about this company. And also, you know, it's pretty conservative in Mark's view. Service Stream, it is a buy 
for Francesco Destratus and the team at Ord Minette. Look, saying that the price is more attractive now, obviously, it had a big sell-off <laughs> through 2022, um, but there is potential there. It's a hold for Mark, though. He says, watch, wait, actually watch for the next few, couple at least, reporting seasons to see how management does now that it's realized that it's potentially not that great to have all your eggs in one basket. Juno Capital is a super buy for Mark from Macro Capital, so that will be going straight to the investment committee, even though technically it's a buy for the team at Ordmanet. Look, Francesca's just a little bit cooler on the banks in general. And Magellan, it is a avoid like the plague. And that's a quote from Francesco, but it's a sell for both of my guests. So I do hope that helps you in uh, thinking about those companies that you've emailed us about. Please feel free to email us your requests, the call at osbiz.com.au. Here is an update on the investment committee portfolio. Speaking of, um, BAPCOR and Domino's were out, Imdex and Jenison Education were in. I wonder if that will be a more conviction position considering, you know, we now have Chinese tourists and Chinese students more likely to come to Australia in a more significant way now that those borders are reopened. Uh, Elders, still a believer in terms of the investment committee. And so far, the fund is up by 6.48% on a cumulative return basis since March the 1st of 2022. So we will continue to be yeah, monitoring the calls on this program and putting them to the investment committee through 2023. At CMC, we've been in the game for a while. And although a lot of things have changed, our mentality hasn't. We aim to give experienced traders the best trading experience, like our expert platform with its second to none trading tools. Plus our pricing is completely transparent. That's why people who've been trading for a long time stay with us for a long time. So if you're serious about trading, switch to the market leader trusted for over 30 years. Trade CFDs your way at cmcmarkets.com. You don't own underlying assets. Consider relevant PDS and TMD or information memorandum for CMC Pro accounts at our website. All right, I thought we were gonna have a break there. Not so Pacific Current is on the list for the stocks. Uh, Carndale as well, CDP. I don't know a lot about that company in case you couldn't tell. 29 Metals, Pact Group and Seven Group. So let's get going with Pacific Current. PAC is the ticker code. This is for Rob. Mark, what's your view? I hadn't really looked at this company too much before uh, today, to be honest. Um, but funds management, uh, it's the old treasury group, um, more of a fund of funds uh, style business. Um, I would imagine with the amount of movement going on in all of the, um, you know, with these funds this year, uh, a lot of them having outflows and obviously possibly shifting into other funds or maybe, you know, possibly some fixed income, etc. cetera. Um, so these guys have had, actually had fund growth of about 19%. So the opposite to Magellan. Um, they've outperformed. Uh, they expect inflows to remain fairly strong. And um, look, there's only, I think there's only one uh, analyst sort of covering this one. Uh, they've got a buy on it and fairly decent price target. Why don't we oh, talk to those guys? <laughs> oh, okay. Sorry, I didn't realise it was yours. Um, I, I tend, I tend to agree. Um, it, you know, it nice, nice uptrend. It's got all the right characteristics in terms of if you want to be, you know, if you. We were just talking about Magellan. Obviously, this, these guys have got pretty much mainly the opposite to what Magellan has had, and um, and I think uh, you know I think with a lot of movement within uh, within the funds management, okay. um, 
you know, fun flow. These guys obviously would probably be placing capital, you know, quite a bit, which will be good for their uh, good for their income. Great. All right. What do you think now that uh, we know that uh, Ord Minutes has a buyout? We're a buyer. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Um, look, when um, when one fund manager loses mandates, others gain. Yeah, there's so still funds to be managed. I'm not, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I'm not suggesting they're gaining everything that Magellan loses, but um, they'd be gaining some of that, I would imagine. Um, particularly, they do a fair bit of um, international uh, investing as well, which was one of Magellan's key areas, I suppose. Um, so, um, our guys are suggesting that the, 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 the fund growth is relatively decent, despite the... Uh, um, volatility in the market um, and, and, and experiencing you know net inflows and and, and expect a reiteration of, of their F23 tar- or have reiterated their financial year 23 targets um, looking at the the numbers look it trades on a, a, a PE multiple of lower than the market average you know around 13 to 14 times uh, you're looking at a dividend yield of over four percent so all those numbers stack up for me. Um, I, I'd say I agree, and I think um, you know the analyst is spot on with this one. He's he's followed it for quite some time and had a, a reasonably good recommendation on it. Um, and look, you know, um, you know, as as Mark said, you know, with Servostream, you you look at the results and see where it's going. I think if they can they can um, you know compound their announcements and 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 their guidance with um, um, you know putting together good results you know, over the next year and a year and a mm-hmm. half, I think we'll see a, a bit of a boost in the share price um, more than it has in, in recent sort of recent times. So, yeah, um, yeah look, we've got to buy on it. Um, and, and, you know, we think there's some good people there that, that manage it well. Well, um, I believe we've spoken with them in reporting season in the past, so I've just made a note to myself to call yeah, in one as well. Yeah, I have another. Yeah, look, our, our, our guys have got a valuation of around $11 on it, and I think it's, what, where's it trading now? Eight, eight nine dollars somewhere around yeah. there? Yeah, there about. It was seven, seven fifty. or something. A bit lower than yeah. where it was, yeah. So, you know, seven fifty six. there we go. So, um, so that's a double buy. That's going to the investment committee. I'd say, yeah. Good. Let's get on to Carindale. Now this is CDP, it's actually a property trust, and this is a center a, a center group, uh, well, shopping center really, essentially in a suburb of Brisbane, really. Like why would you want to invest in a property trust that is so very focused? It's one shopping center by the looks of things yeah. to me yeah. in Carindale in Queensland, so, and it's Westfield at that. Yeah. So, you know, to me, I look at the big picture on the, the shopping centres, particularly the large format ones. I think they're going to, they're, they're probably in a transitionary process of you know, changing from being a, you know, basically a shopping centre to being more of an entertainment precinct. and you know, So more sort of restaurants and, and, and uh, cinemas and you know, ten pin bowling and all mm-hmm. those sort of things with shops around it. <coughs> um, where, um, yeah, particularly now that there's a lot more online shopping going on. Um, so... Look, I, I haven't really followed this or looked at it. Um, no, looking, I don't think you're alone. No, and it's it's not a large property trust. Our guys, um, you know, they're they're overweight on on the stock, so they're positive. Uh, if I look at the numbers on it, um, you know, EPS is thirty five cents. So yeah, I mean, look, all all, all of the. Um, the, the numbers stack up, except uh, where are we at gearing on these? Um, 
Uh, just need to look at the gearing. The gearing looks relatively modest, around the 27, 28% mark. So that's not too over, not not overstretching the the friendship on the gearing side of things. So, look, you know, I mean, if someone's looking for a property trust that um, um, you know is is a single um, asset, then yeah, it's okay. But I'd be looking at much more diversified property trusts uh, myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I would echo those comments. I, I'd never really heard of this, and I was very surprised that it was just one. It was a single asset, uh, obviously. So. That's what really puts me off this. However, the more I, I looked into it, it's trading at a, you know, at a forty percent discount to NTA. Um, it is in, you know, the, so it's twelve k's out of the CBD in uh, Brisbane's more affluent suburbs. Um, they do have the Olympics coming up as well, so I think Sydney. I went back and had a look oh, yeah. at Sydney property prices. Um, the seven-year lead-up to uh, to 2000. So on average, capital cities went up by 35% property-wise. Uh, Sydney went up 60. So almost double, basically. Um, and you are getting it here at a, at a discount. Look, I, I would expect the valuation maybe to pull back with property prices over the course of, over the, course of the year. Um, the gearing doesn't particularly scare me, as, uh, as Francesco said. But the only reason I would invest in this is, say, an Olympics play, which is because in this case, having a single asset in that specific location yep. plays into that. Um, but for us, realistically, we're, we're really only looking at uh, industrial um, REITs at the moment and, and have been for, really only have been for the last sort of eight, well, 12 to 18 months. So, um, and, they're, and they're much more diversified. But if you, if you want to uh, you know, make a play on them on, and you think your uh, real estate will go up because of the Olympics, well, it's a great location. It's a single specific asset, and it's at a it's at a pretty heavy discount. Even if the property market comes back twenty percent, mm-hmm. it's still twenty percent below NTAs. So, um, and you know, as I said, it's, it is in one of the more affluent um, suburbs. So is that a buy? Only if you want specific exposure to that Olympics play. Otherwise, you're going for a much okay. more diversified thing. Let's get on to 29 Metals, shall we? Now, it put out a production update, uh, I think it was a couple of weeks before Christmas, in the wake of that. Had a number of downgrades. So Macquarie, for one, downgraded to underperform from outperform, even though copper is supposed to be one of the big key commodities in demand this year. Morgan Stanley is underweight. Credit Suisse is underperformed, City is a neutral, but Ormanet is an accumulate for 29 metals, Francesco. Would you be um, buying for clients? Are we accumulate or hold on that, I think? Um, the, well, the last one I can see is accumulate. That was from the 23rd oh, right. of November. You're right, you're right. Look, um, I, to, be honest, to, to, be, to be honest, I, I haven't had a real close look at, at this one, um, but I am in the process of looking for um, the next commodity move um you know everyone's focused on lithium and, and so forth and you know there's a lot of euphoria built into the back of that um copper has sort of you know, piqued my interest in recent times because um there's a lot of talk about china actually having to um renew a lot of their um electrical grids uh, which takes a lot of copper um so um, you know, I'm thinking that copper could be the next play. Uh, I haven't sort of come to any conclusions on that, but it's starting to look promising on supply and demand dynamics. Um, so uh, this one uh, would fit into that category. Um, but I, again, I haven't had a closer look at the numbers and 
when I set up my screens today, I, I missed out one bit, one oh. key bit of information, which was the numbers. So um, I, I'd have to agree on the on the broader picture on copper, um, but still doing a bit of work myself on that. Um, and you know, twenty nine metals fits into that category. So I, I, I'd say I agree with the accumulate recommendation of the analysts on that there you on go. that basis. Yeah. Okay. Mm. Fair enough, Mark. Yeah, I, I'm a massive copper bull for the next 12, 12 to 24 months. Um, China also has to restock their copper reserves. Um, copper at an exchange level uh, inventories, because it's obviously in the futures, mm -hmm. it's a deliverable contract. Um, at an exchange level, um, basically, they're almost empty. They're near record lows uh, in terms of physical copper that's, that's able being able to be delivered. Um, Peru and Chile are the two major, um, the two top producers of copper in the world. Peru's having pretty bad, um, pretty bad political unrest at the moment. They've had a failed coup. Um, they've had their sixth president in three years. Chile's re, um, rewriting the constitution um, from the from the eighties era, where it was much more in favour of. Um, you know those those bigger uh, Pinochet um, and you know a little bit more corrupt era, um, etc. Where I think there's um, there's 18 separate parties or something in the um, mm -hmm. Chilean Parliament. So they they realistically that's that could end up being meaning more royalties. Um, a lot of the big copper mines across the world, are, you know, are nearing the end of their life cycle. So. These so it's 29 are, metals, the one though. Uh, I I prefer probably. Um, I, we, at the moment, I've got Wire, which is the uh, copper ETF, uh, to play it broadly uh, from a portfolio point of view because now as minerals off, um, we, mm -hmm. you know, you've obviously just got realistically BHP or Rio. Um, they've got copper, zinc, silver and gold. Silver, and, There's a lot of silver and gold bulls out there at the yeah. moment as well. So, yeah, I'd call this a buy for sure. Um, had a poor update recently, so you're probably getting it relatively cheap, I suppose. And... Um, yeah, I think copper is going to be the commodity of 2023 for sure. Got it. Thank you. Let's get on to, just because um, in the interest of time, Pact Group, number nine. Mark, let's start with you. PGH. We've got an outperform from Credit Suisse. We've got a hold uh, and a neutral from the brokers as well. Yeah, low margin business. Um, I'll save us some time. Um, there's not a lot of growth. Fairly sort of boring business overall. It does look cheap, um, but I'm, it's not, not really... You know, that low margin, I think a lot can go wrong, um, you know, with rising commodity prices, etc. So, um, but at the moment, if you wanted to go into this area, it probably it's the cheapest of its peers. So, yeah, but hold at best for me. Yeah, so input costs obviously are an issue for Pact Group um, when it comes to packaging, even though it's going sort of clean and green. It's in and used by a lot of the companies that are probably in all of our cupboards, but is it just a bit boring? Oh, I wouldn't say boring. Um, you know, the, the, these stocks do have their day. I, 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 I like the business, but at, at these prices, I think it's probably a bit of a harsh one. Although, if you look at the PE multiples, they're very cheap, but they're cheap for a reason. Um, that the anticipation is that probably going to have some some low earnings growth, also low, low revenue growth, which uh, makes them look more attractive um, if they if if they achieve the numbers that that are out there. So we've we've got a hold on it. Um, yeah, you know, there's quite a quite a few out there's Aurora as well out there in the marketplace um, I'd probably look at Aurora before Pact and what's the other one um, top of my head uh, which um, spun, Aurora spun out of <laughs> yeah um, um, Amcor Amcor Amcor, yeah. Amcor. Um, 
So I'd be looking at Aurora for, for more from a growth perspective or potential growth, just because the difference is in you know the the packaging. Uh, but Encore still sits in one of our model portfolios mm-hmm. on a, on income basis because uh, it does pay a very attractive dividend yield and and it's fairly uh, consistent in its in its dividend yield as well. Got it. Thank you, guys. We're going to come in on time. We've got Seven Group SVW. So again, is Seven Group a company that could potentially be um, disadvantaged by some of the macro forces at play, or is this, you know, a solid company, plenty of work in hand, lots of diversification, and potentially even more to come? What do you think? Well, you're, you're right about the diversification. There's a lot of it there. Everyone th- looks at Seven Group Holdings and thinks of the media, which there's still a bit of media in there, but I don't know how much it is. Um, but, but it's West know, Track, it's, it's West Track, it's Coats Hire. There's there's you know there's a lot of different businesses in there. Um, uh, we've got a buy on it. Um, they've got a a evaluation of. Um, $22 on it and where is it $21.96 so I'd probably lean that back to a hold now um, considering you know where it's trading um, if I look at um, you know some of the ratios um, that um, that we look at you know the return on inver- return on equities um, okay you know it's, it's up in the high teens so I, I'd say that that's promising um, and, and could expect continual growth so I, I'm probably not as optimistic as that last report from us as a buy, um, which was done in August because the share price has performed quite well. But I, I, I'd, I'd still be a little bit more positive than the hold on that. Thank you. What do you think? Because lots of work in hand, still a lot of spending going into the ground, still a lot of infrastructure spending. Yeah, I think the New South Wales government's pared back, I think, as, as the Victorian government, a little bit of that infrastructure spending. Um, obviously, they've realised that you know, they may have pushed in a little bit too much fiscal stimulus. Uh, this would be just a wait and see for me. Um, whilst you know, they, they like those businesses uh, overall, I, th- I think at some stage you will get this cheaper over the course of the next sort of six months. Um, and, you know, I... I'd like to see at least another report. I think there's sort of better, it's sort of erring on that industrial sort of side. Um, and and I'm, and I'm obviously, I much prefer Nine Entertainment than, you know, than Seven Group as well, uh, than Seven West Media as well, because um, it's a fa- fairly narrow business model compared. So, but yeah, it, it'd be on the watch list for me. Hold if you've got it. Um, and then may, I think you'll, you'll probably get better prices. You know, once we get a little bit closer to, the economy slowing down and those rate hikes biting, I think it, you know, it, it will probably get a little bit cheaper and you have a look at it then. Okay, so you can wait for that one. All right, guys, thank you. Let's just run through what we've learned. Pacific Current Pack Partners, PAC, it's a buy. That one is going to the investment committee. Both of our guests say that it's, um, yeah. In fact, Mark said it's the opposite to Magellan. It's doing pretty well right now. Let's get to Carindale. Look, it could be a potential Olympic play, but that's very specific. It's a hold in Mark's view. And also uh, for the team at Orbanet, they're pretty positive on it. Um, but I think that there's a little bit of hesitation there from Francesco just because it's one single asset. 29 medals, it is a watch and wait. Uh, Francesco is not yet putting his name behind one particular name in the commodity space, but he is doing some looking around. I'm sure he's taken what Mark has said on board. He's definite buy for anything copper, including 29 medals. 
he likes wire as well that etf packed group holdings um francesca would favor aurora for the potential upside there but it's a hold officially mark says it's a hold as well seven group you've just told it it's a buy from francesco it is a hold for mark he says you might be able to get it a bit cheaper that is the program for today. Thank you for watching and thank you, Francesco, for coming in. Nice Pleasure to see you to start nice the to year. You. you too, nice Mark, to as well. I know we put you through your paces, even though you were on holidays last <laughs> week. Thank you. Look, it was a bit thin on the ground, Francesco. If I would have known you were around, you would have been roped oh, in. I was around, in. But, but not really. <laughs> all right. Thank you for watching. Thank you for submitting all of your, your suggestions for the show. Please keep them coming. The call at osbiz.com.au. Stay with us, though. Small caps, do you remember Winsome Resources on Friday? It's in the lithium space, talking about drilling results in Canada. It had a bumper of a session. Well, we're speaking with Chris Evans, the managing director, next.